Hey, what's up, people? This episode is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Beach Volleyball National Events, BVNE, is the biggest get notice showcase in the United States of America. We're in Florida, we're in Texas, we're in Colorado, and of course, we're in California, the mecca of beach volleyball. Once your kid to get notice, we have as many as 20 to 25 recruiters come out for the showcases. USC, UCLA, Stetson, LSU, FSU, anything that ends with a U, Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. Watching me. Watching you. This is episode 55. Oh, I got Jeff Samuels and the episode starts right now. Guess who's back? <laughs> back, back again. again. Hey. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Ladies and gentlemen, the Enigma Beach Volleyball, the winner of the Motherload, winner of God knows who and what else. He plays with young people. He plays with old people. Comes out the other end smelling like a rose. Jeff Samuels. Yo, what's up, Jay? <laughs> so you're everybody. you're in North Kakalaka right now, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, just getting ready to play this tournament out in Wilmington tomorrow. Uh, yeah, should be fun. It's nice to be able to get on the court every once in a while. Who are you playing with? Um, tomorrow I'm playing with a guy, Mark Fornicari. I, I mean, I don't know if anyone says his last name right, but uh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Jeff. Try. <laughs> yeah. Fornichari. Forn oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nah, Forn Forn I think Fornicari. I like that. I like that. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna do. So I wanted to sign up, and they were full. And uh, he had a partner get hurt, so he's like, "Hey, do you want to play?" And sure. So I just just tagging this. Sorry, the dog is like going absolutely nuts right now. Of course, there's a cat in the room. <laughs> yeah, two two kittens and a dog. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, tagging you and Sharon. There it is. That's just for the live version. So Jay, um, you um, let's talk a little bit about the Atlantic, Atlantic City tournament. Was that the first time you were you were at um, the um, the AVP America one? Yeah, never been to Atlantic City before. It was pretty chill. I like the spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Oh man, you look good. You play with a uh, Doc, right? Yeah, I played with Dr. Once again, and it was pretty chill for the most part. Um, not exactly the result we want, but you know. Yeah. Sorry. Good to be back on the court. Listen, he he's he looks like when he's in a tournament, he always looks like he's working through some stuff. <laughs> and I I would love for him to get to a point where, um, like all the hard work he put in, just he doesn't think about it. He just gets out there and he does it. You know, sometimes I think I think he thinks too much. You know. Sometimes, you know, mm. as, as someone who actually uh, cornered for you guys uh, once, uh, actually in New York City, you know, I think there was, I think if you just, he, both of you, I'm not just him, I sound like I'm putting it all on him. Uh, I think a lot of the stuff he thinks is harder than it really is. I think he, if he keeps a lot of the stuff simple, like if cuts open, if it looks like it's open, it's probably because it really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, wrist away. If they're showing you that little bit, if the, if it's there, it's probably because it really is. He's such a good athlete. He's such a good jump server. He's such a ferocious digger, defender. You know, he he personalizes his work, which can work against you, but in a lot of cases, works for him. 
Yeah, uh, I could agree with that. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, clearly volleyball is mental just like any other sport. Um, and a lot of us have a tendency to go out and overthink what we get out there and do every day. So I could always agree with uh, with that side of the story, yeah. Yeah. Man, I think I don't know. I think we've been playing long enough to know what the hell paralysis through analysis is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I just tagged you on my wall, so um, so I saw my name. And Are we on Facebook and Instagram or just no, Facebook? No, just Facebook. Um, if someone were teching my show, maybe <laughs> I would be, oh, I would bad, be on my both. <laughs> my, listen, Not- you, you've done a magnificent job super subbing for um, Miranda, who's who's my original tech, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think having an active player on the pro scene was just, it was great for me because it was just like having another body in a room where uh, the episodes were more um, interesting. Like Casey Jennings was interesting, you know, and that, and you guys, yeah. and you guys, yeah, were, that was a fun one. yeah, and you guys were a few months away from, uh, removed from winning Motherload at that time, if I remember. Yeah, right? correct. It wasn't that was, too that far was right away. after that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was you and Dougie Fresh. Yeah, Dougie and I, that was uh, probably my most fun episode I did with you. Easily my most fun episode. You know, I mean, as far as like, as far as having a one-on-one, Jason Olive, he's always fun to talk to. But, um, but having you and Doug in the same room, I was pretty sure y'all going to hit up. (laughs) I was pretty sure y'all going to hit up Area 51. (laughs) We could have went there. Did we go there? I thought we did. I didn't. (laughs) I think that's when I ended the episode. I said, all right, bye. (laughs) We done. Bye. (laughs) Let me move my chair up. Um, God damn. We got Israel Adesanya coming up. I'm ready for that already. I've been ready for that. Yeah, we, that's our boy, man. Let me actually, actually, let me take take a second. I'm gonna pull up this cart, pull up this car for us. Take a look at it so everybody can see. Boom. So here it is, right here. And that dude, Paulo Costa is a motherfucker, dude. Um, that dude is 13 wins, 12 KOs, or 12 finishes. <laughs> Yeah. And the only one that went to a decision was Yoel Romero, which we, we both know is really, really hard to finish. Yeah, you're not probably going to finish him. This dude, yeah. Zabarot, um, um, took a gop as a good fighter, too. Who else? Anyone we know? Johnny Walker. You remember him? He had a pretty good fight against um, Anderson. Yeah. Uh, that's actually, let me figure out when that is. That's, that's actually up there. That's 9-19. That's September 19th. But the other one... Dude, the other one is this weekend, Daniel Cormier against Stipe Miocic. It's back. Yeah, man. Uh, well, he wants to retire. Like he kept saying he wanted to retire when he was 40, but you know what happened? A heavyweight title match became attractive, right? Oh, yeah, okay. everyone wants to yeah. retire, but the money's lucrative and, and nothing's just, ever going to make you feel that way yeah. you felt when you were out there, you know winning world titles or playing on the AVP or whatever it is. So it's tough. It's tough to retire. I feel like I see it in all these guys. They all want to, and they know they should. Like, do you think Mayweather will ever fight again? Yeah. I, I bet on it. I'd probably put money on it. Yeah. Even though 50, 50 fights, 50 and 0 would be, dude, that would be so ideal. Well, is he above 50 now? Is he 51? I think he did fight a year ago. Yeah. But he, sh- he should have left yeah. it at 50. Knocking out Conor McGregor. And one of the one of the biggest paydays for both of them um, was, was that wasn't even the, was that the last one? I don't know. I'm gonna find out. <laughs> I could look that up. 
There we was go. Bruner before that or after that? That's or, uh, I like that. I'm a Adrian Bronner, whatever his name is. Or who did he fight? Oh, no. But I'll tell you this. I'm glad that if I had to do like a top five highlights for Floyd Mayweather, one was when that guy interviewing him, and I can't believe his name is escaping me, was trying to make it about something else. And Floyd yeah. was trying to make it about the fight. And he's like, you know what? You, you've you been hating on me since day one, man. I ain't going to. You don't gonna, even know boxing. Yeah. I ain't going to give you. I ain't going to give you the answers you want to hear. This is my interview. Yeah. <laughs> if I were 50 <laughs> years younger, I'd kick your <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the guy but said. then what if Floyd said oh Floyd said you ain't gonna do shit <laughs> you got some balls come on man. Larry, yeah. Larry Merchant that's his name Larry, Larry Merchant Mer yeah. Larry Merchant stop it stop it cause you know you ain't gonna you, 50 years 60 years 40 years however many years you ain't gonna you are not gonna you will do absolutely nothing you are not gonna f beat floyd mayweather on the best year or the best day um with a with a with a um a metal glove and a base in one hand and a baseball bat in the other sorry <laughs> yeah good luck damn, oh, damn that, guy's, that guy's lightning fast yeah they all coming out aaron wexler says what up jeff Tim, yo, AWX. Tim Driscoll, yo, yo. Todd Sloan, what's up? Tim. Yeah, so. I always, dude, I always like having you on my show because I think we we are not shy to talk about subjects and topics that um, some people feel might make them lose friends. Or, I don't. how do you say that? Make them, that might make them be disinterested. You know, I think. We're not always as politically correct as yeah. most people would probably like us to be, but. Yeah. Well, I would c categorize you as not always and me as kind of never. <laughs> and do you know, you know, help me with that. You did. In one yeah. of our, one of our previous podcasts, you said, Jay, you said you being yourself and not giving a shit what everybody else thinks. He says, that's golden out here. We were, um, we were in the West coast. <laughs> You're like, yeah. dude, don't, don't lose, don't lose that, you know? So yeah i mean it's all got to be everything's got to be in moderation obviously and anything can be pushed too far but yep. uh i think willing to like accept yourself and just put all that out there and you know not think about what other people think obviously you want to be tasteful and you want to like have friends and influence people but um you definitely want to uh do that while being you and the other people who don't you know vibe with that they really weren't in your you know your life stream to begin with so yeah don't worry about it everyone will have to let you know when they feel better about it yeah <laughs> he's like yep <laughs> yeah. well for me personally um because i'm older i'm, I'm much older and you, you learn these things just everywhere you go i was in the military so i traveled you know indoor volleyball i traveled and now here I'm in California and I knew that if I didn't do it my way, two bad things were going to happen. One, if I did it someone else's way just to get with a certain crowd or just to get what I want faster, there, there are two worst case scenarios that just scared the shit out of me. One, you um, kind of feel like you're selling your soul. 
you kind of feel like you're being somebody else just because you get what you want. And and I've um, I've always been a something for nothing guy. I'm a Brook. I'm I'm from Brooklyn, dude. We you know. Yeah. If you need a shirt, here, take my shirt. <laughs> you know what do I owe you? Fuck out of here. What do you owe me? You know. So, um, so one, I'd feel like I'd be selling that part of myself out. And the second thing is, and this is where you, you might make you laugh. I might not be letting the click anyway. So I might do everything their way and not get any anyway. So there I am on the outside looking in and, and I oh, sold yeah. my soul. <laughs> Dude, uh, that was what I was going to say is uh, even if you're in the click, like you're really not in it or you're, you won't be accepted. You know, you may be like cool enough to hang out, you know, you know, but like uh, never fully be accepted in a group that you had to change yourself to be a part of so because that stuff's way beyond like you know cognitive function it's just like uh one of the things we talk about is like controlling your frame and if you control your frame being yourself and you know you find a group that vibes with that or um a certain uh group of people that you know you like that you're comfortable being in your own skin around uh, that's kind of irreplaceable. You may be able to hang out with other people and I'm, I don't mean cool. Like they're cooler than you because obviously nobody's cooler than you, Jay. And, uh, we're not cooler than anyone else either, but a lot of people seem to try to like think that way, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's, it's my little, isn't it amazing though, that people don't outgrow that. Uh, like to me that's shit that i worried about when i was in junior high school or high school and here people are grown-ass men you know in their their mid late 30s it's not really it's like it's crazy because humans have come this far and haven't learned how to outgrow things like that but it doesn't strike me as something that's crazy that people don't do that because there's a lot of stuff that like (laughs) we as humans do every day or dumb things like racism and sexism and stuff like that. And like that we had, like, how have, how have we learned to do all these things, but we haven't gotten any better at like some things that are super basic. It's, it's kind of crazy, but at the same time, the way things are going, it's not surprising. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, on a smaller scale, like I like to make fun of people, uh, but sometimes like people that don't know me that well, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I got to bring it yeah. back. Like Alzina, um, I had Alzina on the podcast last week. You know, the, that, that other Jeff, <laughs> the guy, by the way, um, if you looked at his profile on the AVP, like some people had their Instagram, whatever. And, or some people had their, you know, like Dane, you, they put Olympic gold medalist, Jeff, they put. Jeff Alzina, they put coach on all levels. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> he, the guy has been everywhere. So I was talking to him about Jake, like Jake Gibbs nutrition. And uh-huh. um, and just how well he takes care of his body. But I te- I was teasing Jake saying he's got a 20-year-old body, but like a 50-year-old face. I'm like, why is this dude 40 and I'm and I'm I'm 50? Why the hell is it I'm I'm the one that looks like I'm 40 and he's the one that looks like he's 50? And and it's something that's funny. And and Jake, if Jake, if, if like I suspect he does, if he has thick skin, like I think he could handle it. But but if I'm wrong, then I just officially attacked. Um, yeah. A volleyball player without volleyball like like jeff you know me i call people out but no time <laughs> but at no time do you really hear me call call attacks a volleyball player with uh vo- i attack a volleyball player with volleyball 
You never yeah. hear you never hear me say anything outside the bounds. If you play like a bum, that's related to volleyball. I didn't say you look like a bum, you know. So, so I actually reached out to him. I said, "Listen, you know, if if you're thick skinned, cool. But if you're not, you know, I was out of line because that's that's rare." And he texts me back and he says, "Dude, I am old." <laughs> and he said, "I didn't see the episode, but I don't care. I'm good, you know." So, but it, <laughs> so it was my initial whatever. But it's something yeah. and it, a, on a small scale example of just like, you know, I'm, I talk shit and it's fun and this and that. But it, some, sometimes, um, and that's not political correctness. That's just pol- um, sometimes just being polite. You know, you don't know that dude. You know, we ain't. You know, we ain't. Me and Jake ain't tight like that. You know, we're, he's cool with everybody, but we ain't tight like that. You know, right. and on a larger scale, I mean, dude, just this political and racial climate um, is all the evidence you need to support what, uh, your assertion. You know, like people um, in the face of evidence, in the face of um, of seeing stuff with your own two eyes, they still can't. They still don't take it in, and they still don't believe it, and they're still not willing to self-examine. You know, um, you wanted to yeah. say something. Look at you. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really even like this whole thing going on is kind of like to me in a way, like I might be one of the only people that's like, this is great. (laughs) I think it's great because it's not like this started happening. And then all these racist people like popped out of nowhere. Like I'm a new racist. Like, you know, there's, it's been there the whole time. And a lot of people just haven't really been able to uh, be exposed to it, to know that it is there. Um, and so let's just like put it in perspective, even with um, even with African-Americans or black people, or I like to say my people because I'm not really black. But, what you mean, yo, people? Um, <laughs> my, my people, yeah, or our people, sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Who's going to be exposed to more racism, right? Someone who lives in a higher demographic of black people or the one black kid that lives in the white neighborhood, right? So when I grew up in Detroit, I wasn't exposed to racism. I moved to the suburbs, all white people, racism on a daily basis. So even some black people don't really understand um, how bad racism is. And then obviously uh, people who are not minorities, most of them are not exposed to any racism um, or uh, maybe they've seen it happen to someone else. But, you know, until you're affected by it on a daily basis, it's not really... um, concerning to you but uh the good thing is that a lot of people are becoming aware of what's going on um there have been more and more people who have come forward it's uh, you could look at this as oh it's terrible what's going on and i'm like like things had to have been brought to light before they can actually be changed um and i've seen more support especially from people who um are not minorities or who are not the um disenfranchised or whatever you want to call it um people i've seen so much more support from uh, that end than ever because they just you know they didn't really know what was happening it's really not a, a great excuse but um at least now we are making steps in the right direction uh, at least that's what i think yeah i think there had to be an inciting incident that made national news that put everything over the top and of course, rioting. Um, I don't condone rioting, but when people start rioting and um, not in their not in their own neighborhoods, you're gonna have that attention too, right? Like, if you remember um, South Central or whatever, um, 
1992, a lot of the rioting happened in, in the like-minded areas where, you know, I'm like, why are we destroying our own, our own, you know, our own mama and papa joints? Why not? If we're really mad, why don't we, you know, why don't they or we go to Beverly Hills and get some real attention? Like um, Yusuf Hawkins, don't know if you know the name. No. Nah. For those of you listening at home, Yusuf Hawkins in 1989 was a guy that went to Bensonhurst to buy a car. Now, Bensonhurst is a neighborhood in Brooklyn that's predominantly Italian-American um, and Jewish-American that sound like Italian-Americans and a handful of Puerto Ricans that sound like Italian-Americans. So Bensonhurst, Bay Ridge, everybody, they, you pick, you're, you're the product in your environment, you pick up the accent, you know? Oh, yeah, of um, course. Seems like, you know, peaceful neighborhood. It's so weird because when, when I went there, I moved, I lived there for two years. Peaceful neighborhood. Everyone's cool. Everything's all right. And, and, and you don't notice the racism until, again, like you said, you see a black face. You know, a black guy walks in a room and like, why is, why is the whole restaurant silent? This is weird. <laughs> why is everybody I silent? get a lot of ladies. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes <laughs> it could just be because I'm a man, but yeah. I doubt it. Like I'll pass them in like the grocery store or whatever yeah. it may be. And they like grab their purse and like clutch it all tight. And I'm like. You should clutch your shit yeah. too then. Next, next time they do that, you know what you should do? Yeah. Do this. Clutch your shit too. Well, Clutch, well yeah. In fact, don't even, eyeball, you know, do, lady, do one of these. That lady may even like be yeah. the same lady that would like, you know, give me a ride home if my car broke down yeah. or, you know, like, if so I, I, I realize stuff like that. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been in so many different situations and different types of people that I can kind of separate that sort of stuff. Um, you know, but it is like, a thing that we see in movies and, you know, TV commonly that, you know, that black men are all aggressive and they rob and steal and like that sort of stuff. And there's just like, I mean, white people do the same thing, you know? So uh, it just kind of really depends on typically where you're at. Uh, and, uh, you know, what kind of situations you're putting yourself in. But I mean, the whole, like, I don't know if I look very aggressive, but, uh, I get that a lot in the, in the grocery store, the old, uh, the old, uh, purse clutch, you know, or like bring their, bring the children closer type deal. Um, and again, you you know know what you should do? You should perch, clutch your bag, do one of these peripheral things. Like you're not looking them in the eye. And then when you try to get bombed, just fucking run. Yeah. Like Like Chris Rock said, he got into an elevator full of white white teenagers, and he ju- it was after like the uh, the Colorado shooting, and he said, "I jumped the fuck off of that elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of young white boys." Yeah. <laughs> no, That's but hilarious. anyway, Yusuf Hawkins, right? Um, East New York, one of the roughest neighborhoods in Brooklyn, predominantly African American, some Latino, but back then, Latino people identified with being black before that, you know the culture shock of the mid late eighties and nineties or whatever. But there was a, a car they saw in the newspaper. They wanted to look at and buy. And the car was in Bensonhurst. Now timing is everything. There's a girl that lives in Bensonhurst who broke up with her Italian boyfriend and started dating a black man. Her birthday was coming up and she said she's inviting her boyfriend and 20 to 25 other black men. And, and, th- and if anyone has a problem with it, they, they're ready. They're, they're, they're coming ready to brawl. So there's jealousy, there's rage, someone a few, uh, a bunch of shades darker in complexion. And Hawkins comes with his two friends, his brother and his friend, into Bensonhurst 
one of the Italian guys just see three black people. Not 25. That's right. No, but but they first of all, they misidentified him. Yusuf Hawkins had nothing to do with this girl. Yusuf Hawkins to do. is oh, a guy. Yeah, okay. Yusuf Hawkins is a guy who lived in East New York that was just there to look for a car. Yeah. And this this Italian guy, him and a couple of friends were like, that's that's he says, why why else would any black people be in his neighborhood? <laughs> so basically they all came armed with bats, um, ready to ready to do a pound ready to, to to pounce or whatever, and then two gunshots went off. Two gunshots went off, everybody ran like hell. Yusuf Hawkins got shot pronounced dead um the mom couldn't figure out what the hell happened and um al sharpton they they picked him up and this was bad because al sharpton at the time uh was fresh off the tawana brawley case and tawana brawley was a girl who said that five white guys beat her up and raped her and al sharpton was her attorney and there was a civil rights movement this outrage you know what are you going to do about it you're not looking hard enough and then like two weeks later she admitted she made it up yeah, so, she was lying. Yeah. So if sometimes when you're the devil's advocate, you know what happens? You 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 kind of wind up looking like the devil yourself. So yeah. Al Sharpton became this guy's like, oh, a race baiter. Oh, he's a shit starter and this and that. So when they brought him on, Al is like, I might not be, <laughs> dude, I might not be the best man for this job. <laughs> I mean, I'm fresh off of this. Maybe I need to yeah. low. But to his credit. Um, he, you know, and to their credit, they stuck together and their protest, by the way, were in Bensonhurst. And then this, this cool neighborhood where they filmed Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta, you know, Bay Ridge is right next to it. All of a sudden, when a bunch of black people are protesting, peaceful demonstration, you see white people, uh, the Italians doing this, nigga go home, the N word, pictures of water, uh, you know, taking pictures, three guys with a watermelon. And I'm like damn i didn't know <laughs> you know and, and my friends are like jay you should have known i'm like yeah i'm like this is what why i'm being mixed i'm flying under the radar and um the reason why i brought up that story is because you didn't know um how people were until until people throw it you know bring it front and center so New York, oh, yeah. was, New York was supposed to be this culturally diverse uh, place where where black and white people just want to move to because they 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 were under the impression racial harmony was existing here, and in many and in many neighborhoods it was. But 89, 87 and ninety one was the height of racial tension in New York City. Yeah, yeah, you never know, man. You know, I was the kid that grew up in the you know the white neighborhood uh, for part of my life. And uh, it was a rude awakening to me because the same kid sitting next to you in lunch may, <laughs> may be the same kid that gets drunk at a party and calls you the N-word, you know, and mm-hmm. just like several or just like several experiences like that, you know, like when I was growing up, my neighbors, um, well, first tried to jump me, three of them, three, three boys, three brothers for no re- I don't really know why. Um, and I was pretty much the first black kid to move in my neighborhood. And then... Uh, they spray painted the spray painted the inward on the side of my house. Um, after that, so it was just like, uh, and later on, I actually became friends with one of the kids. You know, he grew out of his whatever. But you never know, man. Like, uh, you never know who's gonna be the the closet racist. Like, everyone's not just like blatantly racist in front of everyone, and yeah. so you know, well, it happens in different forms. It's taught. I mean, it's taught racism, and usually yeah. come, usually comes from uh, an inherent f- one, an inherent fear of what you don't under- understand, right? 
And two, the inherent belief that one is superior or inferior based on their race. That we're all different from each other because we're not. We're one race, human race. And there it is. That's what matters the most. You know, we can't even get along with each other over here. Uh, I mean, how are we how are we supposed to mm -hmm. fight any foreign, you know, foreign countries or. You know, if aliens decide to come, like we're so divided, what are we gonna do? Did anyone ever tell you you don't sound like a sound like a black guy over the phone? All the time. <laughs> I I, ordered, I know Dane like, gets it in too. In the days where you ordered things over the phone, like pizza or yeah. you know, I want to come in and get a massage. You know, can you take me at this time? And I walk in and I'm like, you're like, Jeff, no, we're looking for know? Jeff Samuels. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I know Dane gets it. Look, the first time I heard Dane do I bet color, he does, yeah. the first time I heard Dane do color commentary, I thought he was some fucking blonde-haired surfer dude. You know, <laughs> he says he's got to go out and face the hitter. You know, and this and that, and I'm like, wow, cool. And me, me being mixed, I mean, uh, I mean, me being mixed, you definitely know I'm from the city, but I don't think anyone knows if I'm black or white either. So, um. Uncle yeah, you're one that mm -hmm. Go ahead. you're one I wouldn't be able to tell. You know, like I would be thinking, I'm really good at it. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really good at it. Like <laughs> I can tell when, like over the phone, like if someone just has their interview voice going, or it's like their real voice, or like if they're black and sound white, or white and sound black. Like mm -hmm. I'm really, I don't know why, but I'm good at. That's like one of my hidden talents. I think. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, well, for me growing up on Flatbush, um, I'm a, you know, I'm mixed, but I'm a few shades lighter and you're in an all black neighborhood and you're like one of the only white guys. You know, I just moved from Coney Island. I'm, I mean, from school, yeah. from school to home, I'm running for my life, dude. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's like, it's not like, and that's not reverse discrimination. It's just discrimination. <laughs> okay. Um, to put it in a humorous fashion, black people in my neighborhood didn't have time to dice up their white people. You know, if you, you, you're a cracker, you're a cracker. You Romanian, you're a Romanian cracker. You know, you're Russian, you're a Russian cracker. So, um, yeah, totally. So the the racism, like you said, exists on all ends. And it really, again, I double down on this. It really comes from being afraid of um, getting like a shock of what you're not used to seeing, you know? Like you're in, you're you're in an all white party. You walk in, maybe they're not racist, but there is this initial whatever. Like, fuck, <laughs> this is an all white neighborhood. That's the first black guy I saw in like a year. <laughs> yeah, I kids go to boot camp, and the first black person they saw was the the drill sergeant. How's that for an <laughs> ass fucking experience? <laughs> yeah, a guy in your face, scary as hell. African American. You never saw a black man in your life in person. Until 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 boot camp. Damn, <laughs> he's smiling because rude, awake, rude awakening right there. Yeah, listen, uncomfortable question. I asked Greg this, but I'm gonna ask you this: um, Have you found yourself becoming a white whisperer? You're gonna have to let me know what that means. <laughs> that's good. If you don't know what that means, that's that is a good thing. But a white whisperer is basically um, amid this racial climate. Um, and white people are just trying to better better understand Black Lives Matter. To them, to some of these people, all lives matter, but they want to understand why people are saying Black Lives Matter. And to their credit, 
or to their demise, they're like, maybe I should talk to a black man about this, <laughs> which I think is a smart thing. It's a smart thing for white people because um, white people don't want to make decisions on their own because they think their decisions are, are what put black people in this plight anyway. Right. So you don't want a whole bunch of white people be like, they're being treated unfairly. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get 10 of my white friends. We're, we're going to get a game plan and this is how we're going to treat them. No. Um, so, <laughs> right. So to their credit, they they need to have sit down and have a conversation with black people or their black friends. Um, or just someone who but, knows. I but, mean, there are plenty of uh, yeah. there are plenty of white people who know mm -hmm. our history as a country. Yeah. Um, uh, and all the statistics and all this stuff, even more than I do, you know, I know what's going on because I've been in, in the fight, right? Like I've, I've, I've experienced racism. So I could tell you on my own account and put my own numbers and ratios yeah. together and tell you what's going on. It's pretty easy to, to kind of understand it, but, yeah. um, there are actual, like there are white people who hit me with the numbers and I'm like, great. That sound, that's exactly what I put together in my head. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So, so uh, Greg said, he understands why, but he says for black people, it's like, it's uncomfortable because Greg says a lot of this, like you just said, you can do your own research. You can uh, read your history, people. You know, so Greg, yeah. Greg has found himself. He didn't, and he didn't know what the hell White Whisperer was either, just like you. I because, have no clue. Yeah. No, because listen, guys like you and him are, are already ingratiated into a demographic where everybody's everything, right? You're going to a tournament tomorrow. I bet you Bruno's going to be there, right? He's from Brazil. I bet you Angel's going to play with him. He's from Cuba. I bet you, you, you know, this this dude um, you're playing with tomorrow is an Italian last name. You know, so you haven't had to uh, become this kind of whisperer person because you're already ingratiated with people, with a demographic of people who are doing their own research, who are answering a lot of these questions on their own. Yeah, I um I haven't gotten that much like re recently, but I ha I do have to have the conversations like so I'm in the car with my friend and we're going to I think we're making a long drive and you know she's in her neighborhood and uh there's a cop I clearly I don't miss him I see him all the time if there's a cop I'm definitely gonna see it no doubt about it I'm never gonna miss it and. You know, she gets to the stop sign and does the old roll through the stop sign and keep on going. And I'm like, dang, um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't have anything to hide. Um, and, you know, I I just would rather not have any sort of interaction with a police officer because of my previous experiences. Um, <clears throat> and I had to explain to her like, yo, like, like, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you how to like drive your car or anything like that. But um if you could stop at stop signs completely, especially in front of police, just because like, and she just like, didn't get it. She didn't understand why I would ask her to do that because you know, it's not that big a deal. Nobody stops at stop signs and um, you know, don't be so paranoid. And it's like, dude, I'm not paranoid. I do all sorts of crazy stuff that I shouldn't be doing, you know, but I just definitely don't do them in front of cops um, because I'm going to get pulled over for, absolute certain like I mean, if i'm driving and that happens i'm getting pulled over in front of a police officer you, you don't have to worry about it um but those are the kind of conversations and like uh kind of like just giving them a heads up and then the very next week or like uh it might have been even closer than a week someone got pulled over traffic stop 
you know, big protest, um, you know, police brutality type deal. I don't remember which one it was because it happened so often. But then uh, she called me back and she's like, you know what? I really wasn't quite understanding what you were talking about, you know, but I really I kind of get it now, Um, you know, like and I'm glad, like, you know, even if she didn't understand it at the time, like she kept that in the forefront of her mind and thought about me and could kind of relate it to some other situation that was going on in the world. And, um, so that's the kind of stuff that I've, you know, I've been seeing more often rather than someone just really just hitting me up and asking me, you know, what they should do about this. Actually, I did just have a friend recently kind of reach out to me for for something like that. But yeah. Yeah. I also think once uh, a, a vast part of the white population realizes what white privilege actually means, um, you know, I think it takes a certain level of humility to just to just t- take the overall meaning of what white privilege is, um, and then they can come to more to the middle. Because there's a certain demographic of white people that think white privilege means you got everything that's given to you, and that's not that's not what the the term means as a collective whole. I have a friend, Kathy Parent, right? She's an infectious disease person. Um, she her job is to like approve vaccines. She was the one talking about like vaccines for COVID and all that stuff. But her company helps prepare medications to be approved by the FDA and this and that. So I brought her on for that, and she's like, look, she's like, for a long time, you know, I um, I didn't think I had a white privilege. She says, Jason, you know me for 25 years. You 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 see me come from the bottom. I earned every fucking dollar. I I had I'm not, I'm not I don't want to hear this white privilege stuff she says but then I realized white privilege wasn't just it was included to but not limited to that meaning yeah. um she's like look I can go to a party on the east side but I can walk home a cop guard goes by a cop's not going to stop me and ask me where I'm going you know, that's she said. I realized that was the privilege I enjoyed, not the privilege of, of, of things coming, uh, getting handed to me because I'm white. I mean, maybe that yeah. happens too. But if people are using white privilege as that meaning and only as that meaning, um, there's. Can you appreciate where the division is? That's that. That's where the divisions coming from. I think they need to know what it means as a collective whole. And I think yeah, it doesn't there, just more mean every, you know, everything that you have that like you're saying that's been given to you is part of your white privilege because I have some of those things too. Right. Yeah. Um, and some other person may not, it's like a whole, but, uh, right. It does Do, does it, that, doesn't you know, LeBron, um, if I'm Dwayne in the Wade car have with a you and we're mm-hmm. driving, okay. uh, and you're driving, the cop asked me for my ID as well. But if I was your white buddy, he wouldn't ask your white buddy in the passenger seat for his ID as well. Like that's, that's in my opinion, that's like kind of the stuff that we're talking about. The other stuff, I don't care about, especially the material things that people, oh, that's part of your white, forget about that. I don't need any of that stuff. That's not even important Um, important in the big, yeah, but I want to be able to, you know, walk across the street in Denver at noon with no traffic, um, without getting a jaywalking ticket because it's absurd, right? Because that that's the type of things that do happen to me. While there are some white people throughout history who have gotten jaywalking tickets, um, it's primarily something that happens to young black men that they want to just stop and see if they have a warrant or, um, you know, give them a ticket for nothing or kind of just kind of, you know, harass. And that, there's a lot of people who don't understand that, who don't get that. Um, you know, if I don't make a complete stop at a stop sign in front of a police officer or just, you know, period, he's somewhere I couldn't see him. Um I've gotten pulled over for that um, and given a ticket 
and telling them uh, my car smells like weed, even though it doesn't because they want to search my car or pulling me over, telling me why weren't you wearing your seatbelt, you know, multiple times throughout the week when I clearly, dude, my seatbelt's been on the whole time. This is not the only time you pulled me over for not wearing a seatbelt um, and wanting to like ask me if I have any weapons, drugs, or whatever it may be when I get pulled over with my white friends and they're driving, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, where are you guys headed today? It's not, you know, where are the drugs and guns and (laughs) man, I've had, uh, do you have any weapons in in a car? No, it's at home with the dope. (laughs) Yeah. In college, dude, me and my buddy lived together in an apartment and we lived we somehow like managed to get into the school late and uh, register late. And one of the only places we could find was like kind of this, like it it was like a slash like old people slash like um, low income housing, but it wasn't horrible. Like it was, it was an okay place. Right. And apparently someone was going through the neighborhood, stealing things out of cars and um, not really like burglary and houses, but uh, stealing stuff out of cars. And it was like something that kept happening. And so finally, uh, one day, you know, the cops were knocking at our door and we thought it was because of a party that we had. So we're just like, "Ah, let's just pretend like we're not home, you know. And uh, about an hour later, they got the maintenance man to open up our apartment. Sheriffs, cops from three different counties, state police, all came storming in our house with guns out, dude. And I like walk around a corner and there's a gun in my face. Um, and it was just like a crazy experience because someone had been breaking into cars around the neighborhood and because we were young and, uh, I want to say black, uh, we weren't supposed to have the nice things that we had in our apartment, nice TV, um, and things like that. So they, they went through everything we had, obviously found nothing, um, took our ketchup bottles and poured them out. And even after they didn't find anything, the cops like in my face, screaming at me, telling me he knows that I'm the one who <laughs> who's done it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to say that I know that that was, um, an anomaly. Thir- certainly racism or like, like I'd like to, you know, cause what else, what else would it be in my mind? You know, all these things that happen to me that don't happen to uh, my white friends. And so it, I, you know, and no one's coming to me and saying, you know, I don't like you cause you're black. Actually that's happened as well. But um, on a regular basis, that's not something that happens. Um, but uh, you can definitely feel that, uh, you're treated differently. Um, and I know we are all different. If you don't, if you say you don't see color, then you're dumb because obviously we're not all the same color. So I get it. Um, we are all different, but, uh, I'd like to be afforded the same regular everyday opportunities that I'm not. And so that's the difference between having that white privilege and, and, and not having it. And I didn't grow up with that. So, and I grew up, in the beginning, kind of not really necessarily poor, but didn't really have much. And then uh, moved into more of the suburbs as I got, you know, um, in my teens or whatever. And it was just a completely different, like, I would have said I would have less experiences about racism growing up in the hood than I would living in, you know, living kind of out in the sticks where I grew up. You know, there was blatant uh blatant discrimination, you know, on a regular everyday yeah. occurrence. Um, 
Well, I can relate because my mother, um, and I told this to her on a previous podcast, my mother worked at a law firm um, at night. Paul Weiss, big law firm. She moved out of the city, so they arranged a car service because she worked till um, half past midnight, basically four o'clock to half past midnight. She was doing paralegal work, um, you know, eventually got her law degree. And this car would take her, you know, limousine service would take her home. So what hap- What was happening at that time, there was a gun running operation or like a sting where people were buying guns in Ohio or, or somewhere or upstate New York um, and funneling, funneling them into the city um, via, I guess, via limousine service or car service. So what happened was they stopped my mom, or the driver, right? They asked for his ID. They asked the driver to get out of the car. The driver's white, um, actually Russian. His name's Igor. And then, you know, tapped the window of my mom. My mom rolls down the window and they're like, they're like we need to see some ID. And my mom's like, um, Why? <laughs> you know, I mean, she didn't even have to ask. I mean, if you know your constitutional rights, uh, you don't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, you don't I, have I, to you, say anything. She, I mean, look, if she were white, she would have been like, "I ain't showing you shit." <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is why I ask oh you. This is why I ask you the questions. Okay, why don't you tell yeah. me what this is about? You're not asking no. the questions. I'm asking the questions. But instead, my mom was like, "Why?" Can may I ask why? And he's like, and he says, "Don't be a fucking smartass and give me your ID." And she's like, "No, I'm not going to give you my ID. I'm not required to." And he's like, "Get out of the car." And she's like, "No." I'm not going to get out of the car. You know, at the time she she requested a supervisor and the guy broke all kinds of protocol, opened the door, dragged her out of the car, threw her on the ground. Yeah. Now, my mom is 55 at the time. Okay. Not in the best shape of your life because when you're doing paralegal shit, you, you, you know, you're not in shape yeah. to be resisting uh, uh, yeah. or to be uh, in better endurance against police. Um, threw her on the ground, like really bruised her arm, put his knee like on her neck. Um, eventually arrested her or kept her uh, pretty much overnight. My father came four in the morning. And when my father came, my father's like, listen, he says, you got to just be quiet. Okay. They can hold you up to 72 hours without even charging you. And my mom starts yelling at him like, you know, you're supposed to be on my fucking side and this and that. And now, and now my mother and father are having a fight because my father is not thinking, he's not taking their side. My father's like, What's the best way to get you out of jail? <laughs> and then you know, we'll handle the situation. Yes. What's the best? You know, if, if I got to pretend, you know, I'm, I'm neutral or whatever to get you out of jail, I'm not I'm not on their side. So now because it is guys actions. Now my, yeah. my parents are fighting with each other. My mom almost yeah. spent a whole night in jail. She wound up suing them um, and won the case. So now the cop. Uh, every t- She sees the cop in the supermarket every now and then. So the cop gives her a dirty look and she's just like. You know, yeah. keep paying me, bitch. But I had a similar Sorry, thing happen to me. I actually, no charge. I don't have any sort of criminal record or anything like that, obviously. And uh, same thing happened to me on a assumption. And I won't go into detail, but I basically went to jail for 32 or 34 hours over an assumption that ended up getting cleared up. But typically for someone else, that would that might be like a... You know, well, we're going to look into this, you know, not uh, we're going to impound your car and take you to jail and, you know, hold you uh, in Genesee County, Flint, mind you. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it ended up just letting me go with, a, oh, OK, well, maybe we were wrong. See, you know, see you later. You're just 34 so hours. That, those are the reasons why <laughs> That's I think a volleyball tournament. About, <laughs> yeah, those are the reasons I literally was coming home from a volleyball tournament. Yeah. Um, 
And those are the sort of things that make me want to make complete stops in front of cops or like not jaywalk or, you know, like, you know, things that and I'm not asking to break the law. I just, you know, I don't, I don't, who wants to have those sorts of things in their mind, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I recently, you also said something about, uh, yeah, your dad having the argument with your mom over what's the best um, way to respond right now, as opposed to like reacting and making it, you know, blow up any more than it is so that you can just get out of jail. Right. Yeah. I had a conversation with a girl. She told me that, uh, she, I, I said, you know, I look at a lot of the dash cam footage for, uh, police alter altercations where it's like police brutality or something like that. And you know how we talked about, uh, uh, women who have been raped and how, um, I remember that we as women, we have to put ourselves in the best ourselves. They have to put themselves in the best situation possible before something like that occurs. I'm not saying uh, I'm not accepting rapists. Right. I don't accept that. But yeah. I also and you're not trying to say they like, had it coming. I mean, I mean, that's, yeah, that's even for my to... sisters, I just yeah. want to see them safe. Right. I want to see them safe. So let's think of the protocol and what we can do to um, make sure that things are de-escalated rather than escalated, right? So I, I want those same situations and those same scenarios to um, help, especially people of color who uh, get pulled over by police. Because if it's me, this is the way I'm going to think about this, right? If it's me, I want all of my rights. I want every single right that someone else has, right? But if I know that I don't get those rights, Am I going to be a dick to the police officer? Am I going to ever escalate my voice? Am I ever going to move my hands from the steering wheel? And this girl was telling me like, no, you should be able to do those things. You do that and you tell them this and you tell them off. And I'm like, you'll, I'll let you let your kids do that. Yeah, <laughs> but my kids, uh, when I have kids, I'm going to have to have a conversation with them and how to act around police officers, not to scare them, um, not to make them paranoid, but, just because it's just a talk that you're going to have to have as a color or as an African-American person in, in the United States. Um, it's, it's just something that you're going to have to do. I'm not going to let the situation, I'm not losing my life right now over something that I should be afforded. Okay. Because I want to go home. I've been through the situation before where I've been in the car and someone else is yelling at the police and I'm just sitting over here like, yo, I don't know why they're yelling at you yeah, like you that. You feel like a hooker in church, man. You're just, to, yeah. you're just trying to I sit just, still. <laughs> yeah. Because my white friends, they swear at the cops. Like, they tell them off mm. and get out of the, get out of the car, yeah. bro. Fuck you, they dude. out of the car. <laughs> Fuck you, I dude. Could, my yeah, boss I is... Could, my, my daddy's gonna have your badge, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fuck I you, can man. never get out of the car. When they come by, I'm like, oh, yeah? Oh, well, I'm just going to, he's like, can I get your license and registration? I'm like, well, I'm just going to leave my hands right here for a second. And I'm like, it's in the glove box. Do you mind if I take this hand off the steering wheel and grab it out of the glove box? And you may think I'm being funny or facetious or, you know, being paranoid, but it's not I, funny cops, and i'm laughing <laughs> it's not but they come up to the door with their hand on their gun half the time i've had <laughs> guns pulled on me multiple times and i'm not a thug so i don't i don't understand it i don't do get you know it i play I'm, volleyball do you know i'm laughing <laughs> i saw this video this dude put on facebook a, a few months oh, years ago 
where the, the cop stops a black guy. It's like a parody. And the guy said, keep your hands on the steering wheel. He says, now with your left, your right hand, I want you to reach in your glove box and show me your registration. He reached, I said, keep your fucking hands on the steering wheel. <laughs> Are you going to be yeah. giving me a registration or not? <laughs> yeah. What did I say? Are you want to get shot? Yeah. Boom. All right, well, fine. You know, Take the keys, you know throw them out. <laughs> you know what it is? Is that um, not every cop's a racist, right? But but you know how we're talking about people who who have this certain perception of black people. Like, these cops get nervous, dude. You can see it. They're nervous and they're shaking and, like, mm. they're scared. But, like, to assume that every black man is an aggressor or someone who's going to shoot you would be like me assuming that every white man is a is a racist Trump supporter that's going to hang me. You know, like I can't I just can't go through go through life uh, like that, you know. And so we got to somehow figure out a way to 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 charge at that situation and, and try to like because if you're if you're that scared, um, you probably shouldn't be you, you didn't sign up for the right job and, you know you're gonna there's gonna you're gonna be scared at a traffic stop but to not be able to control your emotions or adrenaline or uh be a critical thinker in you know a crazy situation being a police officer is probably not for you and yeah. so when you have these guys who in my opinion i know offense to police officers there are a lot of great police officers but then you get the, the few that are like yeah, were I mean, bullied in high school and, pretty, pretty cool. and, and, and wanted yeah. to be in the army and wanted to be a marine but couldn't go because they had flat feet and now <clears> the only people that accept them are the, <laughs> the police academy because there's no no screening basically you can be a police officer in like a few months or whatever it is so um if you get those kind of guys uh and like i said every i don't think of every police officer like this there are uh, tons of policemen police officers that i've met that are cool that are chill um but you will get the ones that are looking for a little bit of power because they you know never had any and the only people that it will accept them ironically enough are the people who should be the calmest and most you know compassionate humans now obviously you know a, there's a time for aggression when you're a police officer you're there to protect people and uh protect yourself and go home to your wife and kids and that sort of stuff but um yeah, it's, it's a tough, it is a tough situation because, you know, like I said, not every police officer is like that. And so people think that if I say Black Lives Matter, then that means that I hate all police officers. I don't, like, I need you guys. You know, yeah. if someone's breaking into my house, I hope you come, <laughs> I hope you come, you know, quick, you know, yeah. so... In fact, I'll lay on the ground and wait for you to come, man. I just want this dude out of my fucking, this burglar out of my house. Yeah, I'm going to yell white woman in trouble. But no, clearly, but no, but clearly... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let that rest for like five seconds. Let everybody let take marinate. that in. <laughs> and good. <laughs> okay. We're no, back. But, but clearly, because of the neighborhoods that we've moved to and 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 visited or whatever, there's enough correlation to suggest that police departments are run differently, right? Like Hermosa Beach Police Department is not the same as like NYPD uh, Never in, had in Harlem. You know, never had cool an dude. issue there living in Hermosa. Like I, you know, I jaywalk and skateboard all down the middle of the street, mm -hmm. and <laughs> all sorts. Of, I know, no, but you, know what, they, you their... know what they say, though, right? Oh, that's Jeff. And that's that's where I Maybe, think. Yeah. No, but that's where I think good police training comes in. I, like this whole defund the police thing. I, I say take the same funds and redirect and allocate those resources into one training cops better. 
training them. Make, a, Thank make you. longer academies. Two, make the salaries competitive. Because if the salaries are competitive, guess what? Smarter you get people, better cops. Smarter people. Smarter people. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. We, we don't, you don't have to enlist yeah. these, whatever. Do you know, like a start- Yeah, so that's a great idea, yeah. defunding the police. We mean it in a way where, like, you know, defund. They they get incentives, too, on, sort of st- on stuff like that, on drug busts and all that sort of stuff. So, like, maybe taking some of that that money they get from those sort of things when we talk about defunding police put it back into training put yes. it back into put it back into the whatever the body is that overlooks police protocol you know what i'm saying to do more cuz like anything that's being done is being done better every day how come policing hasn't gotten any better than the 60s when my mom was born you know like how come policing hasn't gotten any better because it has no one's tried cell phones are getting better every day cars look cooler every day the two things that don't get any better are education mm-hmm. and and police departments those are two things that haven't gotten any better i agree like the equipment's gotten better but the mentality and the 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 uh criteria and the uh the, the content i guess you would say mm-hmm. that it hasn't gotten any better like there's no new information i would suggest to you that it hasn't gotten better i would say it stayed very much the same and the thing that makes it look worse is it's getting filmed will smith, oh, yeah. will smith once access. said will smith once said you know racism isn't getting worse it's getting filmed you yeah, know it's like it's, it's the same yeah. it hasn't gotten much and you want to and actually racism has gotten better in a sense where people have learned how to control themselves a little bit better to where they're not actually out at kkk rallies like they got their little forum that they're in where they can hide behind their keyboard and you know like they're like it's gotten it's gotten more covert so like racists have Mm -hmm. gotten better you know i don't think the amount of races uh racist people or racism has gotten greater or uh deteriorated at all i think it's i think it's right on par with where it's always been um until maybe even now maybe since it's so uh, it's average. It's not advertised, but I guess it kind of is like it's advertised now. It's uh, it's so out in the open now that you're actually starting to get some people who are just coming out and being blatant racist, like just don't care, you know. And like we said, I think I told you is uh, you know, what kind of scares me about the whole, you know, people say Trump is racist, not racist, whatever. Uh, the whole that whole movement of this, these people are willing to like wear their hats out in public like we don't even nobody have you seen a biden hat have you seen mm, one no. biden hat no because they don't believe biden they don't shirt. believe in him they're just trying to get rid of trump yeah, biden biden is going into me. november that on a dementia me. drumstick okay jeff <laughs> biden has, has, has only got two marbles rolling around and you know what yeah. and i still believe even him on a dementia drumstick is still better than trump and that's look that's right now and, and i'm a very very you know I'm, I'm like an independent i don't have a horse to back here but it's the democrats yeah. dirty little secret that they they had brighter minds than biden 
They had more brilliant oh, yeah. people. They had Bernie more brilliant people than, Bi- than Biden. But you well, might not. Buttigieg be to- was. Tulsi Gabbard was. Um, and uh, Yang was. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is. You know whatever they could say about her she was. Um, as far as mind is concerned, sharp as attack. We, as a collective whole, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, refuse to believe that the most qualified and the smartest and sharpest candidate that they can come up with was Biden. No, Biden is someone that they can control and also trump has been so bad the last three years their their establishment knows that they can put anybody there and and beat trump of well at least that's what they're counting on uh, um i don't know man it's, it's sounds like kamala a setup. harris sounds like a setup to me no but kamala harris right they they sounds um like a setup um the weird thing is like kamala harris it wasn't. I. Uh, I think she's very smart, and I think she's she's got a very um, strong chin. You know, she's got a very thick skin, but she's very vulnerable on her record. You, you know, she's yeah. very vulnerable on her record. I told my friends. I said, you know, do you know who's more happy? Because CNN made it look like a ticker tape parade that he chose her as the VP. And I said, do you know who's more happier than the Democrats that they chose this woman? The Republicans. <laughs> Yeah, the Republicans, they're licking their chops over this, but they're not. Listen, they're not excited about her debating Pence because they know she's going to wipe the floor with Pence. Pence is not a good debater. And and Kamala Harris, um, she doesn't have to pull punches because it's not a Democratic primary. She she went after Biden hard. And I don't know if you remember, Tulsi Gabbard took her down in her record. Like Tulsi Gabbard basically just said, like, look, you um. You know, incarcerated people for marijuana. And then when people ask you if you smoke marijuana, you laughed. You know what I'm saying? You blocked um, someone that was on death row. You blocked uh, evidence that could have exonerated him. And it took a judge for, you know, to, to rule the evidence to be in. So she's like, a, she's like, I think you I think you kind of owe those people an apology, too. You know, so yeah. and it was so weird. Here it is, actually. Hi, it's Sam Barker Sorry about here from that. the Motley Fool. Behind me is Landmark Mall. Sorry, let me see if I could just skip ahead. Senator Harris, you have also... ...would not be a member of the United States Senate and Barack... ...years in... So she's coming after Joe on his supposed racism. confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a, quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice So Jeff, stick with us for a sec that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Dude, (laughs) and I'll tell you this, if a Democrat uh, can do that. Don't don't you think the Republicans are waiting for this? You know. Yeah. And, and, well. Yeah. We'll I, see. I'm gonna stay out of the whole politics thing. I'm gonna vote. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna but vote I'm too. I mean, right? If you ask me today, November's November, right? We're in August. It's a long time from now. If someone asked me today, most likely Biden, because I trust the cabinet. 
the administration like Medicare for Medicare for all. Not sure if he's on board, but the people around him are um, education reform. Um, Kamala Harris is big on that. She's so big, she wanted to pass a bill that throws the parents in jail. <laughs> that will throw you, throw the mom, the parents in jail if their kids don't go to school. That's some cold yeah. shit. <laughs> so, the, um, you know, the environment, I'm, I'm big on those things. If there was a Republican running uh, or an independent running that was big on that, I'd, I'd vote for them. You know, last last time um, I voted for Jill Stein. I just I couldn't in, in good conscience vote for Hillary or Trump. I, um, um, elections elections are won and lost all the time. But but like Jeff, our values have to stay the same. And we both know, Jeff, you lived your entire life, and we both know whoever's in office, maybe only once or twice in their life, they're going to do something that affects you directly. All right. Um, yeah. A state senators, yeah. Assemblymen, yes. Um, um, yeah. What, what, uh, yeah, this is, con- this is Congress about voting people? in the right direction. No, it's but Congress people, voting. those are the people that affect real change. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying you're right. It's more about voting in the right direction. Yeah. It's not, as, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, voting for Trump or, you know, you don't believe in Trump or you believe in this. Like, I think voting in the right direction because it's more toward what my views are. Yeah. Um, which is why I can't vote for Trump. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, right. Uh, um, elections are won and lost all the time, but your values like big, you know, do I have to, you, here's the, here's the conflict. Do I have to swallow, swallow my beliefs and vote for this guy? Because I don't want that guy. That's, that's, that's the, exactly. um, that's the conflicting forces of this, this coming election. Right. That's yeah. that's what's going on. Do I have to do I have do I have to just eat it and vote for this guy? It's one of the biggest elections in history. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm kind of feeling. It's like. The... Shit. You know who I'd vote for if they ran? Jesse Ventura. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard was my number one pick because she's anti-war and she's anti-regime changing war. She doesn't believe in going in and, you know, defoliating a place and and not leaving some kind of infrastructure where it's we leave the country worse than we did, you know, before, right? Like like yeah. Assad, the, it was said that Assad was a bombing his own people and she went over there and they called her an Assad apologist, but what happened was she's on the um the affair for um Sorry, she's on the Committee of Foreign Affairs and she's on the Committee for Homeland Security. So she went on a fact-finding mission and Assad yanked her up. What are you doing in my country? <laughs> you know, we, we need to talk. And that's what happened. And I don't, Jeff, if you're president and if you want to meet with Kim or if you want to meet with the dude from China, you want to meet with Putin and you want to talk to them, I don't call you an apologist. If the only other available option is war, if the only other available option it's, uh, besides talking, is going to war. Just because you and like 30 people disagree on something, thousands of people have to die for nothing, right? I don't hate yeah. Russian. I ain't got a problem with no Russian people. There are volleyball players there, right? Like you, that are not into this gangster shit, right? There are people that drive a bus. There are people who are mailmen that are just trying to support, they make money and support their kids. Same thing in Korea, same thing in China, same thing everywhere. There are people that are not down, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to call it gangster shit, all right, because I call them democrips and rebloodlicans, you know. Ooh, I think I want to take this time to apologize to Crips and Bloods, all right? Sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, but there, the point I was trying to make, full-blown war doesn't affect those people that have the, that, that are, um, 
that have their own agenda or their own political gain. The, the people that stand to lose are us. You yeah. know, I served. I'm a Gulf War vet. You know, my sister, two tours in Afghanistan. My father, uh, Vietnam. Grandfather, World War II. So, I mean, it's not like I don't know anything about showing up. <laughs> so, right. so I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to take us that far off, man, because I know, you know, politics um, on this heightened level is not something that interests you unless you see unless you see change that makes you give a shit. You know, you I mean, yeah. right. People talk change, but people talk a lot. Still looking for still looking for that damn vote. elusive change. A <laughs> uh, quick question. Do you um did you ever see Fifth Element? Fifth Element? Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis, Chris yeah. Tucker. I just saw yeah. that last night. That's a great movie. God damn. I might have to download that one for the flight. God damn, that dude is funny. Chris Tucker went, Kobe, oh my God, Kobe, Kobe, there's someone coming. Oh shit, Kobe, there's three of them. Yo. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, Orange Hair Lady, that's it. God, it was so funny, man. Um, this, that, I'm bringing it up, it's random. No, no, no freaking reason at all. I just wanted to know, it was on last night. I couldn't sleep, and I'm just so. I mean, it was a it was a movie full of supermodels: Bruce Willis, an A-lister, and um, Chris. Chris Tucker. Tucker was probably my favorite. Oh my god, dude! Oof. <laughs> so hair was a little gnarly, but he's still my guy. Yeah, I, love, I love Chris Tucker. Like a big piece of doo doo, yeah, right there on the top of his forehead. But also did Friday. How can you be the same guy? Oh come on, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, um, Rush Hour. I saw him in a more serious movie, Dead Presidents, uh, with oh, yeah. La- Lawrence Tate. Oh, yeah. Um, Lauren Hill. Uh, Money Talks. Ooh, with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, with Charlie Sheen. I love it. He's like, he's like, look, if he says, I love this girl more than anything else, okay? He says, if I'm, he says, if you mess this up with, if you mess this up for me, I'm going to fucking kill you. He's like, I will beat your ass. (laughs) You're not beating shit, homie. It was, those two together were so good. (laughs) That's a movie that made you laugh, right? Money Talks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could still watch that one. Like, those movies are fire. I could still watch those. I think like kids today are like kids today, but like people younger than me, they're like, I can't watch this movie. Like they, they don't know what they, it's not like what they're used to, but that's, that's my, that's up my alley all day. Cool. Tell Tim Driscoll where you're playing. He asked me what, what your next tournament was. And we, we talked about it in the Wilmington. beginning of it. Wilmington. Wilmington. And that's um tomorrow. Is it a two day tournament? Yeah. yeah. I actually got to get in the car and get rolling right now. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I gotta make you uncomfortable before you leave. Where's the weirdest place oh. you ever where's the weirdest place you ever had sex? Oh <laughs> Don't you turn that camera off. <laughs> where are you going? Really? Really? Is this weirdest a really weirdest place you ever had question? sex? It's, it's the option. I'm a <laughs> it's the I'm option a podcast. <laughs> oh, in studio? Uh probably uh rooftop sauna how about that it's pretty exotic yeah Jeez. yeah come on man do you think people are going to be like i'm appalled i'm disgusted they're going to be like i'm jealous <laughs> yeah no it was uh yeah i can't even go into details no. but... well me doctor's office <laughs> off air off air we'll have this conversation <laughs> for me doctor's office which we will continue <laughs> off air <laughs> and it. in an elevator uh doing those <laughs> 
Central Park. All right. Um, damn, just when it was getting interesting, you got to go. Oh, uh, I could have said Huntington or uh, Manhattan Beach Pier under, under the Manhattan Beach Pier. There we go. I've been there. Yes. Is that like the place to be? Because I think Greg Faulkner told me the same thing. I just air Greg's a laundry. I wasn't even living there at the time. So I that was just like I didn't have a place to go. <laughs> Tim Driscoll said, I got a jaywalking on Water Street along with my buddy. Oh, man. Yeah. The cop was on a power yeah. trip the whole time. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see who else posted. Chris Chips, what's up, babe? We are products of our environment. Technology allows us to see past our homes, which has opened our eyes. Thank God. Hybrid players talking about volleyball. I nicknamed you the hybrid, didn't I, for a little while? The hybrid? Yeah. Someone oh, yeah. that could block, that could play defense, that could do it all. Very, you know, black Trevor Crab, you know. Um, I like the Taylor myself, you know, but, yeah. you know, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, you, so you blocking tomorrow? You 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 you, you um, splitting or what's, what's the deal? Back on the block, baby. All right, cool. Well, shouldn't apologize for trapping, being good at what you do, right? Trapping, trapping fools tomorrow. Yeah. But I use Trevor as an example because if you look at him height-wise, he's not someone that fits the stereotype of like you know open level or world-class full-time you know front row blocker oh no he... you said uh you said uh the hybrid i yes. i was like thinking of another word that was like a synonym with hybrid and i said like you know like the tailor because like i can fit any style i need to right i'm like i can tailor my game to whatever i need like adapt i can tailor that shit i'm tailor-made for whatever I can tailor make that's whatever what I mean. situation. That's what hybrid. That's what yeah, I meant by hybrid. Yeah, so I wasn't talking about Taylor Crab. No, of course not. No, Taylor, man, right now is all world on de on defense and digging. But but I was all just trying world. to get you to appreciate like anyone that's like, oh, I thought he'd be taller, and and really in a big scheme of things, either, um, to you, either you could do it or you or, or, or you can't, and you can. So yeah, um, no, you got to get out of here. I was trying to make trying to make this interesting, trying to put you on the spot. We still got. Oh, I mean, if you, got, got, if you got anything else, too. I'm good. If yes. you got anything else, I'm good. Yes. Oh, one more question. Mm -hmm. um, meritocracy, meaning being judged or or. Uh, can, you, can you spell that? Oh, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> when I applied for this coaching job, I was under the impression <laughs> that meritocracy came into play, <laughs> being judged on yeah. the merits of what I've done. I talked to a, a surfer, Gigi Lucas. She's an activist and, and a surfer trying to get more African-American, particularly women, African-American women to surf. And and I talked to Renee Marcellus, who was actually doing the live stream for the qualifier. And Renee brought up something very interesting, and, and I'm bringing it back full circle. Renee said volleyball is probably the big, big, biggest meritocracy as far as sports are concerned. Like either you get on the court and either you can play or you can't. And I answered her like this, and you tell me if you agree or not. I'm like, to me, it's like me and Jeff running stairs. Like there's a corporate challenge, we're running stairs in a skyscraper. Um, if I run 44 stairs and you run 66, that's a meritocracy because it's the same amount of stairs and that's a meritocracy. However, getting in the building to run the stairs is not, right? No. If I could find a way to not let you in that building, I'm probably, uh, you know, and um, even though you deserve it, even though you can run longer and even though you should be in the building competing, and that's what I pointed out to Renee, and that's where Gigi Lucas um, kind of agree with me. So as far as volleyball is concerned, I put it this way, like, 
Buttinger, whatever, and these guys. Uh, of course, the wins are meritocracy, but being the training groups, who people choose as their training partner, and, um, uh, the coaches and this and that, that that doesn't always come into play. And it sounds like I'm starting shit, but there are so many people uh, that are in the draw right now that I think you're just as good at, if not better, that... that um, um, I'm not going to call them the product of their environment. No, fuck that. Fuck that. I will call them the Dude, product of their environment. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. A hundred percent. You got to look at, and this is something I know that other people, it's hard to explain to them, but I have to be better because look at it this way. Here's an example. Fresh out the gate. Okay. From the time they started playing beach volleyball, who would you, rather pick up as a partner at on their very first pro event ryan doherty or chris johnson that's being if real. they just started playing volleyball who would you rather pick up well i'm not a south bay guy but my answer is going to surprise you i pick up kj because he's more i don't mobile. think that's surprising it's a blatant it's an it's a no-brainer right it's a no-brainer from the time they both started playing beach volleyball ryan came from Baseball. Don't get me wrong, Ryan's an amazing player. I'm not knocking him. He's done everything uh, he needed to do to get where he's at, mm-hmm. right? But who would you rather pick? Who would I rather pick just starting out be- playing beach volleyball? How come nobody picked up this guy and turned him into a, and turned him into a superstar right from the very beginning? No one picked he had, him up. And he Can't, had all the tools. Attitude. Guy's got a great attitude. Works really that's what hard. I was going to say. The muscles between his ears complement his, his physical um, uh, um you know, volleyball build. The man's built mm. to play the sport. And an, an, an I indoor wonder, oppo? I don't, I don't know. An that's indoor Merlin oppo? That's a hard question for me to answer. I mean, I could think of a couple guesses, but they, then I would be, you know. Baiting. Uh, re- reverse racism or baiting or whatever you want to call it. But uh, that's just that's just me. There's plenty of guys who are, you know, who don't get me wrong. They do their part and they do well. But. Uh, they get picked up just because, you know, I grew up in the South Bay or, yeah. you know, I went to this school or that school or whatever. If you want me to throw it out there, I'll throw it out there again. White privilege. So, yep. Yeah. I'm- I, I'll give you a better example. Rob, our guy, Rob McLean. I was coaching him in Manhattan Beach. We, they, we played Bill Kalinsky and um, um, Eric Baranek. Eric Baranek is this ferocious defender. Him and Eric made it to the semifinals. There weren't a whole lot of people that took a set from them. We took a set from them because Robert McLean, as far as being a hybrid defender, you should see him now the last 12 months. My God. He yeah. was basically Good. an elongated version of Baranek. Every time Eric got a, a, got a hitting attempt, Rob was there sitting in it, um, uh, lunging, diving. They had all the same moves. you know. But Eric is is part of you know, that, that certain training group that Rob, that Rob isn't even, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it all, it actually all boils down to as well as like, uh, being in those niche or those niches of, of people of demographic where you're like, um, you know, you're a part of the crew and who would you rather pick up? It's not like you're thinking about being a racist, but who would you rather pick up homeboy that went to, you know, the high school right next to yours or some guy who came here from New York who's not really in your your clique of immediate friends yeah. and, you know, knows this guy and that guy that you guys all know together or your yep. dad's played this together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, it, 
you know, and it is what it is to a sense because you have to kind of know going into it. And it, that's not necessarily racism, but you have to know going into what you're doing, what you're going up against. And I already knew that. So it's not like uh, I came in thinking that I was going to move to the South Bay and, you know, become best friends with this guy or that guy um, just because I'm good at volleyball. Right. Um, But I also what could be a detriment to someone of color going into a situation like that or even someone who's outside of the niche um, would be having that preconceived notion that, um, someone's going to treat you differently because you are that newcomer person or a black person coming into a sport that is primarily white, because then you go into a situation with a, uh, with, uh, like, a uh, kind of like a complex, your own complex on the situation, which is going to hold you back. Right. Because then I'm going to treat you. If you're from the South Bay, I'm going to treat you like, Oh, this guy isn't going to show me the time of day anyways. And so he's going to, and then turn, treat me how I, want to be treated right because i've basically i've basically put my guard up right mm-hmm. so you can't you can't go into it thinking that you're going to just automatically get into these groups or whatever being an outsider um but you also can't put your guard up and uh, you got to have yourself in the receipt in the receiving mode right so um you have to have yourself in the the put yourself in the best uh, place to take advantage of an opportunity if it would or would to or were to arise right it still may not or you may have to make or create this opportunity but um it's definitely clicky it's definitely like a keep it in the keep it in the south bay type of thing but it's not like they get together and have a a meeting about like it, a white you know? guy meeting no but you know yeah, you brought, no, you brought, no, you brought up a very good point not, yeah it's not a racism thing it's more of a it's almost even more of like a class thing you know like a like a like a uh not even black and white because i know some some people who aren't necessarily white people who are part of the clique you know that um and so i don't think it's like in volleyball like a racism thing it's it's like you're saying it's a meritocracy yeah yeah but uh, you brought up a very good point like eric baranek is a redondo kid right i'm using him as an example so yeah typically and he's the one showing up every day. This is the group I want to be a part of. So I'm oh, not, he shows up every I mean, day. So man. it's the guy not works like hard. it's not. You can't yeah. take anything away from Eric Brand. No, right? no, you can't take no. anything away from him. He's he's worked for everything. Uh, everything that he has, I've pretty much been able to watch him uh, go from, you know, uh, being the newcomer guy, and now he's what taking thirds or so uh, yeah. ADP. So. Uh, I'm happy you, you for him can't, because you can't get you can't get there and not do the work. I hope that's not what people think we're saying. No, um, but, but at the same time, we do. I think we do, especially if you are one of those people who complain about how much money volleyball doesn't make or how much airtime it doesn't get or how they can compare it to football or basketball and where it needs to be. Right. If you're one of these people, then you also need to be someone who's promoting volleyball on multiple levels, right. Promoting diversity, promoting uh, inclusion instead of exclusion. Right. So, because we need uh, different types of people to appeal to different types of people. You can't think that you're going to be able to put, volleyball on a mainstream and only promote not only to uh white america but to a very small demographic of white america that is like the south bay volleyball pretty much only appeals to that type of um that type of person and i and i don't mean that it has to be in the south bay but basically someone who's grown up on a beach or you know it, it you all you see um someone sent me a dm recently and was like 
it was a screen recording on their phone of all the AVP players on the website. And they went down and they were just like, basically like white, 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 white. Like they were like telling me, Oh, then, Hey, then Jeff, there's you. Um, and I, it kind of dawned on me and it struck that obviously uh, volleyball is great and it's a great experience and the ride's going to continue to be awesome, but I have to do my part to, um, to kind of, help it grow for other people like myself who who didn't you know grow up in the south bay uh playing volleyball uh and and it's and once again i'm not knocking volleyball or the people in it because the people who are great at the sport did everything that they were supposed to do uh to get themselves there right but what i'd say is to like to take it a step further to uh, grow the game. If you really want to grow the game, all everyone talks about growing the game. Where where are we growing the game? Because it's fully grown on the beaches of Florida and California, but it's not uh, in other places. So if you want to grow the game, uh, you can't grow big fish in small ponds. You know, you can't grow. Uh, you, you can't. We're we're too big for our small no, you, fish tank. No, because you'd eat yourself. If it's too big for the pond, you'd eventually eat yourself. You, yeah, you'd, so, eat yourself, uh, you'd eat yourself to that's death. That's the goal right now. That's yeah. been the whole goal, this whole uh, this whole uh, yep. endless bummer, I guess you would say. Yep. It's been the goal this whole time. I've been working with some people on some with some uh, new things, organizations that, you know, I've actually come out and asked the league to help me with, actually AVP Academy or whatever, um, to actually do. It doesn't exist anymore. It, it didn't seem like it was something that they wanted to be a part of as far as growing the game in other areas, uh, unless uh, they've done something I don't know about. But yeah. um, but I'm, I'm so glad that you pointed out, like, this isn't the race baiting episode or, or the episode no, it's where it's not. completely about race. But... I think for people who get stuck in false dichotomies, Jeff, where you're either talking about this in its entirety or that and dismiss the fact that these things are both are both both have to be talked about. Like it's not one or the other. These things are, are binary. They're not they're not these things like Eric, uh, um, the hard work you put in and how classism and some racism might come into play with some of the training groups and development and de uh, player development um, are not separate things. Right there, there is a meritocracy, but there is something else that that's an uncomfortable subject that a lot of people aren't talking about. Dude, I'm this this whole podcast. I'm I'm on episode fifty right now. This is the kind of work. I'm, 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 these are the kind of things. If if I'm going to continue to be a volleyball podcast and not just have theater performers, which I could just do tomorrow, um, that I, I want everyone to talk about. I want the cultural awareness uh, to come into play. I want the positive things of cultural awareness to come into play. You're a positive thing for a cultural awareness. Chrissy Jones right now, that girl's a set that, yo, that girl is a boss. Oh, you'd Chr think. Chrissy Jones? You would think, you would think that. Uh... In her 20s, like 20, 22, 23 years old? You would think that a league who has had struggles growing in the past would take advantage of a time such as now to promote any sort of diverse, even if let's just say it's not Chrissy. Okay, cool. Maybe that's, maybe they don't want to go. Maybe they don't want to go that. Maybe that's that a little too quick. dark. Maybe we go with Brandy. Yeah. Maybe we go with, we're going the light skin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, wouldn't you think, that maybe they would uh, 
and I don't, it doesn't have to be super in your face and blatant, you know, but may, wouldn't you think that would be something that they could say, we could, we could even take, we could be helping and taking advantage of a situation at the same time. Again, right. And, it doesn't have to do be exclusive, something. right? It could be binary. Because yeah. Chrissy Jones is right there. Chrissy Jones, and Chrissy Jones, by the way, didn't fall in their lap. I watched the yeah. Hermosa Beach Open last year. I watched that girl go from the qualifier and just hose people in the qualifier and then the main draw, hose people all the way up to the semifinals until Betsy Flint was like, that's enough of this rookie shit. You know, I, I'm tired of looking at these freaking There's these, a reason why know. there's only been one African-American to do what Dane Blanton has done. Where did Dane Blanton grow up? Um, Malibu. Okay. Yeah. What other what what other black went, players yeah. have grown up in Southern California? Yeah. And why isn't he in the top twenty five beach players? Well, like I said, it's okay. not just yeah. a and, it's not just a, a systemic racism thing, and I don't think that volleyball people even think of it like that and i don't really think of it like that all like uh to an extent of maybe like how hockey is yeah. um be, but i be do real. think if of he didn't win a, if he didn't win an olympic gold medal would he be on that commentary team damn i'm trying i'm not trying to get you in trouble i'm, I'm just dude i mean these are questions mm -hmm. where people think oh that's not true this is not true. you know i don't these really know mm -hmm. i don't really know but i'm but what i'm going back even further and i'm yes. going to say i'm going to say that it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be a thing if he didn't grow up where he grew up. I don't think. Right. I just don't think it would be. I, I, I think he had all the. Don't get me wrong. I think he has all the tools to facilitate that dream that he had to win okay. a winning a gold Olympic, winning a Olympic medal. Mm -hmm. But I mean that a lot of things for him had to be. Um, I'm not saying given to him. He worked for everything. But, you know, we got to look at, okay, well, where did he go to high school? That gets you one step in the door with the next guy. I went to high school with these few guys, and then the branch keeps growing. Where did I go to college? You know, I, I don't remember where Dane was. He went to USC? No, he went to Pepperdine. He won. Pepperdine. His sophomore year, he won an yeah. NCAA. Yeah. Oh, and he's a baller. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But then that's going to open the door and spread the uh, the branches out to a few more, right? And then, you know, picking up that first partner for the AVP or whatever it may be, like that's going to keep. And that's what I'm. That's what. That's what also works for most people who are uh, on the AVP tour, as opposed to someone like a uh, Ty Loomis who didn't grow up there, right? Has the tools, right? But. Yeah. And he's in, he's in, he's mostly in the click, but you know, Ty came from Atlanta, right? I don't mm -hmm. know if he ever feels I like agree. he experiences, experiences that or whatever, but if you want the sport to grow and I'm not saying don't be proud of your South beach heritage and you know, all the stuff where, you know, you're whatever, you're a local. Cool. That's great. Um, but if you want your sport to get any bigger, it's like, we want to keep it Southern California, but we don't want to grow. Like we, but we also want to grow the sport. Like you can't keep it Southern California and also grow the sport to get big sponsors and all this sort of stuff. Like it's just not, it's not going to work. Yeah. And for the people listening at home uh, and watching this, this is, if you're, if you can't identify and if, the, and if you have more examples that contradict what we're saying, we're not saying that we're, we're completely right. 
All right. And we're, we're not saying that we're completely right. All me and Jeff are trying to say, and I'm going to speak for you on this one, is that this is a subject matter that other people are talking about. This is a subject matter that other people, uh, as far as asking questions like, how come they don't do this? How come they don't do that? These are real questions that other people are asking. So it's not like Jeff and I, you know, that, that room is filled with smoke. It's not like he smoked and it's like, let's, yeah, let's just, let's just talk some shit and see, see what kind it's of trouble. Yeah, see what kind of trouble it's we can start. Good. Cause Driscoll said he thought the room was on fire. Um, <laughs> no, but no, but the point is, I'm Jeff, Jeff, I'm not even saying you our, our, our assertions are 100% correct. All I'm saying is that this is this need this is is being talked about. This is being talked about uh, and yeah, and hopefully. No, but it sh- and and if it isn't, it should be and more people need to be aware, you know? And everybody yeah. that knows me, I, I mentioned Eric a bunch of times, you mentioned Ryan Darity. Nothing but love, so they know they know it. We're not using this uh to to um I don't know to put on front street their white privilege. That's not what we're, that's not what's going on here. That's not what we're doing because there was a meritocracy. But Dane Blanton, the dude is only one of two players to win an NCAA championship, an AVP um, Open level championship, and an Olympic gold medalist. Only Karch oh, well, Karai, uh, as far as I, men, uh, men are concerned, only Karch Karai is the tri- is the th- is the trifecta guy. Hmm? Sorry. I said I look to him as a mentor. If I call him and ask him, you know, anything, you know, the guy is great guy. He's uh, worked hard, a very smart guy who's uh, who's who's made, you know, made the best of it. He's uh, he's one of the best players uh, yeah. we've was- seen. It's, I feel like he's a little underrated and talks of things. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I don't take anything away from anyone when I, hopefully when you heard me say that, you know, a lot of things had to go right for a Dane Blanton for, you know, but Dane, uh, would, him Dane, Dane would not but, disagree with that. Uh, I, well, Dane, Dane would not dis- Dane would agree with you on that. Dane will not, he will not, he, you won't hear him uh, uh, fight you on that one. He knows that there are certain pieces that have to fall on the place to make that possible. I yeah, mean, him, don't get me people, wrong. There, no, but there people no said him and Eric I, weren't even the best team. Uh, uh, representing yeah. the U.S. when they went to the Olympics, they said well, they, they weren't were even. At, they 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 grew into the best team quickly. They weren't, but you're right. They were. They barely made it in past. Uh, forgot who it was, but they barely made it in the last one of the last FIVBs. They had to take like a fifth or something like that, or a third or something, yeah. and they ended up getting that uh, to make it in. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get me wrong. It, it, I'm not saying that the people who are there don't deserve to be there. That's that's not what I'm saying. I think no. they all do deserve to be there or they wouldn't be there, obviously. You have to put the work in and, that, and it applies to myself as well, right? But I'm. Uh, it's just like what I was saying with anything else earlier in the day is that um, everyone should be, at least we should attempt to afford everyone the same opportunities. Right. Whether we get there or not, um, it at least it at least needs to be, I feel like, attempted. And I don't feel like it is exclusive uh, inclusive. I don't feel like it's inclusive. No. Um, again, I would like to quote uh, Chris Rock. He said, I live in Alpine, New Jersey. He says he has a mansion out there, right? Don't don't hate the player, hate the game, right? And he says in his neighborhood, in Alpine, New Jersey, there are four black people that live in his neighborhood. Jay-Z, Mary J. Blige, and Eddie Murphy. 
And he says, my next door neighbor, he says, he's not African-American, he's white. And he says, do you know what his job is? He's a dentist. He wasn't published in any in any of the dental journals. He didn't come up with some invention and revolutionize dentistry. Dentist. He's just a regular pull your teeth dentist. He says, now, now I want you to appreciate this. Eddie Murphy, one of the top three stand-up comedians of all time. Mary J. Blige, the dubbed by Aretha Franklin, the new queen of soul. And he says, me, I'm, I, I do all right, you know? Jay, Jay-Z, one of the top two rappers, of all, uh, hip-hop artists of all time. To me, it's him and Eminem, the white guy and the black guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he says, but the guy next to me is just a dentist. He said, do you know what a, what a black dentist would have to do to live in my neighborhood? <laughs> He'd have to invent teeth. <laughs> so so um, the, I'm summarizing what we were saying by this humorous story so people can appreciate like yeah, we're not saying black people ain't doing all right on the AVP. They're, they're doing all right, but we are saying that there is a hundred meter dash and there is a starting block that might be a little further away for someone that's not, like you said, a a, reg, a regional um, popularity, or dare we say, dare we flirt, a few shades darker. Maybe yeah. maybe their starting block is at 100 and, 120 meters for that 100, 100 meter dash. Um, and this is not starting shit. This is, a, Jeff, even if I'm wrong, even if you and me are wrong, this is a reality that people are feeling. People that that, that aren't part of this this region, this, this beautiful, gorgeous bubble I live in and enjoy and as far as privilege is concerned. Um, this, is, this is a question that, that other people are asking. And and I and I, I don't think it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about. I think it's fun. You remember you were talking about like you said anyone that doesn't see race is stupid. I think seeing race is fun. Color. Yeah. I think Color, looking yeah. at your complexion right now and looking at yeah. looking at that Tyrone Woodley beard you're rocking, that is <laughs> that is a black man rock, rocking a muzzle like like a yeah. like a Malcolm X beard. Well, yeah, and it's we're all fun. different. It's, we're all, we I mean, celebrate. I get it. It. No one's. People say we're all born equal, but we're clearly not born equal. It's, that's not true. And uh, if you say you don't see color, then you're blind. You, you I mean, like you, like we're different. Everyone's different. There's and there's different people for a reason. But that reason is not to exclude them or or uh, sorry, exclude them for anything, um, or simply based on their class or color. Man, um, I hope. Uh, I hope it's something we can get by. Uh, it's it's been something that's been brought out into the light um, more recently, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. I I know a lot of people are a little scared about things that are going on right now, but they got to realize for anything to get better, it has to be once uh, it's seen. It's you know a, a lot easier to pick through and uh, sift through the the BS and kind of you know get the uh, right vibes going again. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm very grateful for this. I've had a lot of people who have uh, kind of reached out and let me know how they feel and how they didn't. They weren't necessarily someone who was, you know, a racist or something, but they, you know, they kind of understand um, how black people are getting treated in America or people of color, uh, not only black people, minorities uh, are being treated. And uh, a lot of people are fed up with it. Uh, no matter what color or uh, creed they come from, so that's something for me to to kind of celebrate, actually. So I'm I'm pretty yeah. happy about that. I'm, 
And I'm so glad you put it that way. And that's and that's and maybe we wrap up like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, before I ask you something else that might catch you by surprise. Yeah, yeah. You're getting me in some real trouble here. <laughs> Kelly, wherever you are out there, I love you. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's actually upstairs, ready to drop kick me. Uh so, all right. So let's um I'm I'm gonna cue up my music and we're gonna wrap Yo, up. Yo, Prince, my nephew, Prentice. I love you, buddy. Happy birthday. Yes. Anything else you want to plug for you go? Like um, uh, any uh, a particular uh, site or your sponsor? Uh, Rad Roller, uh, Isopure, and the Hemp Train. Let's go, baby. Oh, and Carmen's Auto Sales, Detroit, Michigan. Let's go, dude. Yeah, yo, I saw the picture. You look good, man. I still got the picture of you in the suit, man. I'm like, why? Why am I? Oh, why, we're getting back into. Why do it. I still have that picture of Jeff? Or should I delete this that's, shit? No, you look that's, good. That's for Nets podcast. Big things happening, buddy. Yeah, watching Argued. volleyball players in suits, man. <laughs> All right, so listen for everybody at home and for everybody on your iPhones at at, at Starbucks or waiting on your lunch line. For everybody who's on your iPad, got one right here. For everybody who's on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. For Jeff Samuels, you stay with me after this After this cue. For Jeff Samuels, I am Jason DeBiss, and I speak for both of us when I say, we're out. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear. A turning off. We fucking did it. <laughs> we did it. Nice work. Dude, you too, man. You too. Glad we talked about a subject. And I'm also glad that I disclaimer that that um we're not always right. We're just talking about stuff that other people are talking about that other people need to be aware of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh just even like, you know, just because you're saying like we all we both have our own opinion. We're not always right, you know. But hopefully, someone else, if if we're not, you know, necessarily right, can take that spark and run with it. Excuse me, I gotta pee. But take that spark and kind of run with it, and you know, go a step further or go a little bit more in the right direction. So, still recording, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm playing. <laughs> I got you. I'm like still recording, Jeff. <laughs> I'll see you later. I'm out. Oh man. All right, we're good though, right? Yeah, I'm out. I love I miss I miss you and I love you to pieces, my brother. All right, miss you, love you too, buddy. All right, good talking. Send me a Peace. live stream or something. Peace. All right, cool. Mm.